I have a Wikipedia page? Okay, hi everybody. Welcome to another episode of Legally Couture. This is your host, Erin, and I have a guest with me again today. This is Adela. Hi. Oh, you can say hi. <laughs> I was like, unsure. Thank you for having me today. No, that's okay. Thanks for coming on. Adela is one of my friends from law school, actually, so she is here today, though, to talk about her life, her lawsuit, everything you want to know about Adela. Thank you so much. But you're welcome. But as per usual, we shall get to know our guests first. So like I said, Adela goes to law school with me, so you know, you know that. She's a law student. But Adela, tell us, where are you from? How did you come to be at law school? Why law school? What's your backstory? It's a great, great question. Um, I'm originally, my family's from Syria and from Lebanon, and then they moved to Mexico where I was born. Um, after a very long story, but after they tried to kidnap my brother, we actually moved to the United States and I got to grow up in New Jersey in a quiet American suburb and I got to see the American dream in action. Um, growing up in Jersey, I grew up in a small Jewish community where everyone was exactly like me. And that's what I wanted to get away from in college. Um, now, the question of why law school is a little bit long, but it's a very long story. I ended up suing NYU for anti-Semitism while I was an undergraduate, and that helped me see the power of the law and how much you can achieve through the law. So I left the world of activism for the world of legal activism. And that's what brought me not only to law school, but specifically to Cardozo, which is part of Yeshiva University. Yes. And now to this podcast, it all led her right here. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay, Adela. And what do you do now? Like you're a law student, but like, do you have any hobbies, side gigs? What's your thing? <laughs> so I do have a couple of hobbies and side gigs. Um, I recently started a show called American-ish. It's on IGTV um, and on YouTube and recently on podcasts. So you can check us out, out on Spotify podcasts. And um, it's me, who's a Syrian Mexican Jew, with my friend Mariam, who's a Egyptian Christian. And we talk about, you know, being female, being modern, being religious, and living in this world, how we navigate it, what our identities inform our decisions. It's really fun. You should definitely check it out if you can. And um, even more recently, Erin knows, I recently signed a contract for a weekly Snapchat show. So I host a show called um, Atypical Tourists. It's on Snapchat. And we just walked through some crazy tourist destinations. So you can watch that too. Every time you watch it, she gets paid more money so she can buy me more coffee. So watch it. It's true. Watch it's Adela's true. show. <laughs> as soon as I got my paycheck, I'm taking Erin out for dinner. Somewhere nice. <laughs> oh my God, yes. Yeah, Adela's going to be my new sugar mama. So I'm going to be a sugar baby finally. My lifelong dream is coming true. It's a great oh, dream. Fuck. Yeah, it's not actually my lifelong dream, but I have had like many sugar daddies like message me on Instagram and stuff. Have you had that happen? Yeah. Wait, forget Instagram. I got sugar daddy requests on Venmo. Like I got these old guys on Venmo no sending way. me requests like, hey, do you want to start a friendship? And I'm like, I don't, I don't think I want to. Oh my God. <laughs> I would, if they actually message it. me on Venmo, I would go for it. The ones on Instagram and like Twitter can be scams sometimes, but if they message you right on Venmo, like how are they going to trick you like to steal your money? Yeah. That's what happened to me once they tried to take my money. They're like, Oh, you have to send me $50 before it will let me send you money. And I was like, I can see that you 
you like edited the photo to make it look like <laughs> Cash App when it's not. I was yeah, like, definitely. no. And they were Honestly, like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> after watching like Inventing Anna and Tinder Swindler and all of these like scam fraud type shows that are mm -hmm. coming out, I keep thinking how hard, but how easy it must be to scam people. Like, yeah, I don't know. I would have fallen for half of the things that were going on there, but that's that's for another day. Yeah, no, literally, I still have to watch Inventing Anna, but yeah, so crazy. Yeah, you have to get crazy. on that. Yeah. But so that's a little bit about who Adela is, everybody. <laughs> She's going to like change the world one day. And she already kind of did change some things, which we're going to talk about now. <laughs> so um, we're, I feel like this episode is mainly going to be about like Adela's lawsuit. It's like her big thing. So we're going <laughs> to, we'll talk about your story. So Adela, how did you come to sue NYU? Tell us like kind of where that started. What was like happening at NYU? that you came to sue one of the biggest schools in the country? <laughs> That's a really good question. So um, like I said before, when I got to college, I didn't want to be the Jewish girl. I kind of wanted to branch out, make other friends. So I had, um, I wasn't dorming in the Jewish dorm at NYU. I had a radio show. I really was like really trying to branch out as much as I could. I was on hall council and I was on student government. And then um, I got involved in the Jewish community. I became president of their pro-Israel group. I became the representative on student government and I was vice president of the Jewish sorority. Um, and slowly the things just started shifting to Israel, Palestine on campus. And it got to the place where it wasn't about political speech. It wasn't about freedom of speech. It wasn't about differing opinions, but it actually put Jewish students at risk and created an entire environment of unsafety of uh, harassment, of discrimination, mm -hmm. and Jewish students were scared. Um, and it started the way it starts on most campuses, which is by putting Zionism, which is the belief that Jewish people should have a homeland in Israel, putting that in the mm -hmm. same sentence as racism and fascism and uh, Nazism, which for Jewish people is extremely offensive. So it started yeah. just with the mention, and then it moved on to a resolution on student government, a call to uh, closer NYU Tel Aviv campus um, and protesting at a lot of the events held by the Jewish community. At one of the events, I knew that there was going to be a lot going on. I knew there'd be protests. And I'd been speaking to the administration for months and they kept telling me I was overreacting. And at this event, I specifically requested security. And again, the school told me I was overreacting. And one anti-Israel student came to the front with an Israeli flag and lit it on fire. And then another anti-Israel student who was in two classes with me um, actually grabbed the microphone from a Jewish girl, started yelling free Palestine. He shoved her in the process. And now I know being in law school, that's actually assault and battery. Um, mm -hmm. And those two students got arrested. They later took our 10 foot Israeli flag and tore it to shreds and hung it from trees and from lampposts. And um, they were supported entirely by their community. It's not like this was alarming or this was out of the norm. So um, they got arrested, the NYPD stepped in, and I went to the school and I said, look, like I'm not overreacting. If two students are being arrested for reckless endangerment, property theft and damage, assault mm -hmm. and battery, you know, it's not that we're inventing threats that don't exist. My community no, is those, scared and we have a reason to. Yeah, like, like those are like take, serious charges. Yeah, they're serious, charges. serious and, charges. So it like wasn't something small. Exactly. And it's it's one of those things that like if you take politics entirely, entirely out of it, like forget that it was 
you know, identity based, like forget if it like was an LGBTQ flag burned at NYU, that would also be political speech. But I doubt the school, you know, would be condoning that in any way. So forget that. If two fraternities who are completely apolitical got into a fight and one of them burned the other's flag and assaulted one of their members, that would definitely be an issue. And why you would have definitely suspended them. And the school would be, say it's not what they stand behind. So it, it was mm-hmm. it was really a shock. And the school told me that they would take action, but that they would do it quietly. And they promised me that they would if I kept things out of the press. And I complied. And less than a year later, the school gave the anti-Israel hate group the highest award you could get as a group on campus. And then they refused to meet with me. And at that moment, I realized they didn't really care about making changes. Not only mm-hmm. are they okay with everything that happened, but they're giving awards for it. And in that moment, it says, like, do you know how to become an award-winning group at NYU? You just pick a minority, target their events, protest them, mm-hmm. burn their flag, assault their member, get arrested, and then we'll give you an award. And I just, I didn't like how my community was the only one, seemingly, that could be treated this way without outrage. So it was a hard decision, but ultimately I decided to file a Title VI complaint, uh, which is Title VI of the Civil Rights Act, protecting discrimination in academic institutions against the school. Um, At the time, Title VI did not protect religion. So um, my lawyers told me outright my case would likely lose, but they said it would set a good precedent. And not only did I not lose, NYU settled and gave me everything I asked for, and it made it all the way up to the White House, and it prompted an executive order. So now officially the law is changed on a national level and Jewish students are protected under Title VI. Yes. Do you want, since we have a lot of like law student student listeners, do you want to explain like what a title, not what a Title VI is, what the type of suit was? Like when you hear lawsuit, you usually think like somebody's suing for money, but like yeah. this, that wasn't the case. So like what exactly did you sue for and like ask for? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. So number one, the way that you file a Title VI is you send a Title VI complaint to the the, um, Office of Civil Rights Department of Education. And in the complaint, you allege what the discrimination was, that you're a member of that protected class, that you were being treated differently or disparagingly compared to other people because of one of your protected categories. Number one, because Judaism wasn't protected, we had to make the case that as Jewish students, we shared an ancestry, and that's what was being attacked. Like when the flag was burned, that was a symbol of our shared ancestry. When the girl was assaulted during um, the national anthem, that was when we were singing our anthem of our shared ancestry. So there were a lot of hoops we had to jump through. And then when I did Mm -hmm. sue, I did not sue for money at all. Did not sue for damages, emotional. I didn't sue for the classes that I couldn't take. I couldn't finish certain classes. I had to take my final exams in a separate room. There was a lot I could have sued for, but I really only sued for NYU to change its policies. The only thing I asked is that everywhere where they have a discrimination policy, they include anti-Semitism and define anti-Semitism. And they did. And they did. Look at that. That's crazy. And you said you went to the White House. So you like literally met with the president. Yeah. So Pretty I didn't cool. you know. just put it in there casually. <laughs> so the White House called me to my phone. I got a call from a restricted Washington, D.C. number. And I was speaking at a conference in Miami later that week anyway. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be speaking there, too. So I never actually went to the White House other than like eighth grade tours when you go to Washington, you know, I suppose. OK, um, OK. <laughs> but he was there and I did speak on stage next to the president. And um, three mm-hmm. days after that, 
they called me back from the White House, thanked me for speaking, and then told me that effective immediately he was going to sign the executive order. So that was the biggest victory I could have imagined. Yeah, no, that's crazy. Like it, an executive order is as big as it goes, I feel like, because then you get immediate action. You don't have to wait for it to like go through everything. So, but oh my yeah. goodness. And it's yeah, actually funny because right now in con law, we're doing presidential mm -hmm. powers. So the whole time I'm reading, oh, I'm yeah. like, was he allowed to do that? <laughs> like, did matter? he overstep? Honestly, that is, is a good this question. permitted by Article 2? <laughs> Oh my God. Like, is that one of the things that Trump did wrong? That like our common law professor was like, yeah, there were like a couple things Trump did that like went to court because they were like, oh, was this allowed? So it's like, a, these are modern problems. And like, yeah, is that one of the things he shouldn't have done that are it's questionable crazy. under his powers? You know what? Whenever it comes down to like the Trump thing, because people are always like, it came from Trump. How can you support this? End of the day, he did a good thing. If someone yeah, that's who you thing. don't love does a good thing, you appreciate the good thing he did. And you say, yeah. maybe you should do more good things. Yeah. Cheer on the good things. Maybe more will come. Yes, positive reinforcement. If you're like, yes, we like this, then maybe maybe you'll keep doing things like that, you know? Instead of just getting mad about the bad things, like positive reinforcement. Like when I train Lorelai, not to compare a person to a dog, <laughs> but like with little kids too, you know, like if they, if they do something good, like they'll get like a sticker or you'll give them like candy. It's that people, yeah. people react better to positive reinforcement sometimes than negative, like punishment. Hey, look, I always say people aren't mind readers. They can't guess what you want. So if you want something, you have yeah. to talk about it. So if someone does something good, say yes, more of this, please. Yes, say more of this, please. We were talking about, oh my God, what were we talking about yesterday? That we were talking about like instincts and how it's biology. Oh, just that women are more likely to be like nurturing, like naturally. Like men can be nurturing, but it's like some things do come a bit down to the biology, yeah. you know? <laughs> and there, we, we were talking about puppies there too. I was talking about- Oh yeah, yeah. that's friend, why we were talking my about- My friend's it. dog yeah. has puppies. And like, you could see a clear difference between like the mom puppy and the dad puppy mm -hmm. because one of them, like the yeah. mom was so proud and so happy and like with the puppies and like the dad who yeah. literally did nothing was just like sitting there like bored. And it's like, what are you doing? Anyway. Yeah, he was like, I'm done with this. Exactly. Yeah, so- that's your lawsuit in a nutshell, but tell people like, what did you have to deal with like going through this? Like you said that you didn't get to finish some of your classes. Like what, I already know all the answers. So it's hard for me <laughs> to think of questions. I feel like that I don't already know, but like, what did it look like for you? Like behind the scenes, first of all, like the stuff was going on at school before the suit. And then like, once you actually filed the lawsuit and the complaint. Yeah, yeah. So that's a good question. Because um, whenever I do speak at conferences, or I give seminars, it's all very, and then I made the decision to sue NYU yeah. for anti-Semitism <laughs> and change a law. And it's all very fun and nice and dramatic. But mm -hmm. in the moment, it was horrible. Um, it was yeah. terrible. Like, leading up to it, I had what a lot of Jewish students have, where you feel like something's wrong, but you're afraid to speak up and draw attention to things, because then maybe mm -hmm. they'll get worse. And that's something I realized is, um, you know, this is true for a lot of people, but it's definitely ingrained in the Jewish mentality because historically mm -hmm. when we drew attention to ourselves, that's when things went poorly. So we would try to keep under the radar. Um, and I think that's really ingrained. And I think now is the time to step out of that. But, um, you know, when things first started up, I felt a little bit isolated. Um, slowly, certain friends would stop talking to me. 
you know, there'd be a resolution on student government about Israel and automatically everyone is, you know, talking about like, well, what's Adela going to say on this? Which yeah. tells me two things. Number one, it recognizes that I have an opinion on this because mm-hmm. I'm inherently tied to it. So you're confirming mm-hmm. that the Jewish community has a stake in this. And number mm-hmm. two, why don't you make up your own mind or come ask me about it instead of talking about mm-hmm. me behind my back? It felt very middle school. There were group chats about me. There were group chats about what was going on. Um, I was taking all my classes in Middle Eastern studies and I'd walk in and it was like the Regina George moment in Mean Girls where she walks in and never ends just stares at her and you know everyone oh, yeah. hates her. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt walking into every single one of my classes. Um, after a while, um, my classmates would refuse to do projects with me. So I had a professor literally say, like, you don't have to come to class for the rest of the semester. And I guess you might have to do your project on your own. And if you want to take your final exam in a separate room, I'm going to have it arranged. It wasn't really a question. It was more of like a, this is going to happen this way. Yeah. It's okay. I actually really appreciate him because I didn't feel comfortable walking into that class. Um, It was very hard to learn. But at Mm -hmm. the same time, that's exactly what Title VI was designed for, right? You know, that whole... Um, that you don't have access to the same academic opportunities mm-hmm. and to the same academic experience as everyone else on the basis of one of your protected categories. The school mm-hmm. has to prevent discrimination from occurring. And when it does occur, they have to remedy it. And they were not taking any steps in the right direction here. So um, it was hard. Um, there was also a student government meeting that was particularly difficult. After it, I was surrounded. There were people yelling disgusting things at me, comparing me to Nazi officers. And uh, after that night, I actually had a pretty bad emotional breakdown. I just broke down on the sidewalk in New York. Um, mm-hmm. And it was hard, mental health-wise. And then making the decision to sue was even harder. Um, I, at that point, like I had put on a ton of weight. I crossed the threshold from pre-diabetic to diabetic. I hadn't you know, mm-hmm. gotten my period in weeks or months. It was pretty bad. Um, and then making the decision to sue, I had to weigh a lot of factors. So the behind the scenes of making the decision to sue a school, I had to weigh them with my mom mm-hmm. because number one, we knew I wanted to go on to secondary education, right? I wanted to get a master's yeah. or a law degree. So, um, you know, and I also want to work in politics. Like there were so many things mm-hmm. I wanted to do that we knew this could be a possible bar. And ultimately mm-hmm. I decided it was more important to file this case because I was the only person in the position who could. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why I made that decision. But um, I lost a lot of friends. I lost a lot of followers. Um, but at the same time, I did not know it was going to have the reach that it did have. So if there's anything I learned, it's that, you know, listen to your instinct. Don't wait until Mm -hmm. it's too late. And yeah, everything has a consequence, but it could have a far reaching effect. You can't even imagine. Yeah, no. And it totally has, like, you've had so many opportunities, even from that now, like you were concerned that Mm -hmm. it was going to bar you from so many different opportunities that you wanted, but like your world has like opened up to so many things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it opened up tremendously. And like one of the areas I see that's been great for change is um, Mm -hmm. like, for example, the the community I grew up in is relatively conservative. Right. And I'm the anti-Semitism girl. I changed the law. So they see me as their golden child. And because of that, I'm able to bring in. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I'm a golden child. (laughs) Um, But because of that, I've been able to bring in, you know, a little bit more liberal ideas into the community. Like, for example, we're talking about that. Exactly. They trust me. They already trust my judgment. And then when I talk Mm -hmm. about, let's say, anti-Semitism, I could also talk about Islamophobia or racism, which are things that my community Mm -hmm. wouldn't be so receptive to. 
So I'll say yeah. just like we needed protection, they need protection too. And it's yeah. it's this give and take, it's a dance, but like you said, it, mm-hmm. it, it opened my world in a different way. Yeah, no, and there's no way you could see that happening. Like who would have thought like the suit went the way it did, but like, oh my God, what you have to go through behind the scenes is still insane. That story about that like student government meeting where they literally were like surrounding you. And what confuses me about that though, is you said they were like comparing you to like a Nazi officer. And that just like, doesn't make sense to me like being like not a jewish person even i'm like you think of like nazis as the opposite of jewish i feel like yeah yeah so what they were saying was that i'm so on the wrong side of history and they're like just like nazi officers would get awards and they were so proud of being nazis when you realize you're on the wrong side of history not even you can hide from what you are interesting yeah. That's such a bizarre comparison. Yeah. Well, you have to make certain stretches when you compare Jews yeah. to Nazis. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. That's when you but, compare Jews to Nazis, there's a big, big stretch that has to happen there. Yeah, yeah. that's that's so pretty much it. But yeah. hey, false comparisons, we see it all the time. So yeah, you know, gotta be mindful. Gotta be yeah, is what it is. Don't insult people at all like that. Don't like make weird don't make, don't insult people at all. It's not necessary. Yeah. And I also think like false comparisons, like specifically like to Nazis, like remember that Nazis chose a race of people and said, we're going yeah. to exterminate them because they shouldn't mm-hmm. exist. Not only yeah. Jews, but also people who are gay, gypsies, yeah. people of color. Like mm-hmm. they were just like, oh, we're going to eradicate people. So even if someone yeah. is a really bad person and someone's a bad politician and someone is very unmindful, Comparing yeah. them to a Nazi is like, I think you might be making a leap there. There are definitely people that can be compared to Nazis. Like, for example, yeah. like the Venezuelan government. I think arguably mm-hmm. Putin, arguably China putting Muslims in concentration camps. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, a Jewish girl in a school after watching her friend yeah. be, you know, assaulted, assaulted. and her flag burned. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think that makes me a Nazi. Yeah, I I would agree with you on that one. I don't think it does either. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, so crazy. So you went through the suit and all that happened. And then like, how long did it actually take for like the suit to like go through and process from like when you like filed the complaint all the way through when the executive order was signed, whether that was actually allowed or not, how long did it take? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, no, the timeline was I filed in April. Um, I spoke at the event in December and in December came the executive order. But because my case was filed before the executive order, the mm-hmm. order didn't apply to me. So oh, right, right. about a year after that, the case was settled. And why you decided not to go forward with trial, it was during the discovery mm-hmm. phase where they were just like, this girl wants to include anti-Semitism policies. Just Are we really arguing we shouldn't? <laughs> yeah, that, yeah so. I, that wouldn't, they wouldn't look good for that, I feel like. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so they, they did decide to settle and it was basically on the merits of my original argument, which um, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of. But overall, it took about um, a year and eight months. About, oh, yeah, okay. Give or take. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. From very, from filing to settlement. Yeah. yeah. So were you a junior then when everything started? I was a junior when everything started and I was a senior when I filed because I gave the school a year to take action and then they just didn't. Okay. 
and then it still wasn't settled for like another year after that yeah another year and eight months after that like I was a junior when the flag was burned the school promised me they would do something I was a senior when the award was given and that's when I sued Mm -hmm. uh executive order came um December of that year and then it was settled in September of the next okay that wasn't that long ago then that was what like a year or so ago that it finally settled yeah it was it was in uh 2020 2020 September yeah September 2020 yeah okay yeah so just like a year and a half ago year and a half ago yeah yeah. If you guys Google Adela's name, you'll find the stuff about it. <laughs> when she told me yeah. she sued NYU, I was like, Adela Cohab, NYU. And I was like, there it is. I was like, that's her. And I sent it to my family. I went, this is my friend. <laughs> so the funniest thing is that um, I have a friend that texted me and goes, you have a Wikipedia page? And I was like, I have a Wikipedia page? Wait, you do? Wait, I'm looking yeah, this okay. up right now. Mm-hmm. And okay. at the time, it said this article's a stub. And the article said I was Israeli, which I'm not Israeli. I am Mexican. <laughs> and recently, I'm also Canadian. So um, I got together with a different friend. We made some edits. Um, some of the edits were changed to keep saying I'm Israeli. I don't know why Wikipedia insists I'm Israeli. I'm not. It's, yeah, it's so interesting. Right now, it says you're a Mexican-born is um, Israeli activist. It says Israeli activist. Oh wait, no, Israel, Israel. activist. Sorry. Okay, Israel good, activist. good, good, good. Okay. Let's leave it Public there because it used to just say Israeli. Okay. okay. Oh my God! It knows where you go to school right now. Public speaker, author, and current law student at Yeshiva University's Benjamin N. Cardozo School of Law. That's oh my God! Cool. You're so easy to stalk, Adela. Kohab is best known for her fight for Israel and fight against anti-Semitism on college campuses throughout the United States. This is crazy. Oh my God. She's a Wikipedia page about her. There's, oh my God, there's a bunch of references to different articles and stuff about you at the bottom. I was on the front page of the New York Post. No way. That's crazy. And there's a picture of you at your NYU graduation. So cute. Yeah, what a time. Oh my God, you can find everything about you on here. It's kind of crazy. It was kind of creepy. Great up from Syria and Lebanon to Mexico City. Yeah, seems pretty accurate yeah. now. Checks out. Well, yeah, because we, we had to keep, and then they keep changing it to things that are inaccurate. So I have to keep calling my friend because you're not allowed to edit articles about yourself. Oh, so you could have I make a fake account? It. Yeah, I can yeah. make a fake account, but I feel like it's dishonest and, you know, being a yeah. lawyer and all, character and fitness, <laughs> man. So yeah, yeah. Especially if you want to do politics. Like if something came up later on and they're like, this girl made a fake account to like change her own Wikipedia. How do we even know if it's true? <laughs> okay, but that's something that would come up. Oh my it's goodness. It's something that would come up, especially nowadays. That's why like, okay, so like we were talking about sugar daddies before, right? And yeah. one of the reasons why I did not move forward with it is because <laughs> what if God forbid Politics. I do become a politician and it comes yeah. out and they're going to be like, oh, she had a sugar daddy. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm keeping myself clean. I am clean. There is all my money right now is coming from Snapchat. That's where it's coming from. I promise. Just Snapchat. No sugar daddy. No Snapchat sugar daddy. Sugar daddy. Okay. Yeah. I'm still yeah, looking at your Wikipedia. Oh, it has all of the awards you've won. All right. Let's see the awards you've won, Adala. Jewish Week 36 under 36. American Shep- Shepherdy. Sephardic. Federation Broom. Oh, Sephardic. I saw an SH. I said Shepherdy. Sephardic. <laughs> 
you have won four awards that they have listed and the Latin American Pro-Israel Advocates and Leaders of 2021, American Jewish Committee, Sharon Green Award for Campus Activism of 2019. You were mm-hmm. featured on Telemundo. And, oh my God, it's got your talk show on here. She oh, wants the YouTube talk show. YouTube. Yeah, they said YouTube talk show. Do you consider it a YouTube talk show or an Instagram one? No, it's an IGTV talk show. It's also on YouTube, okay. but it's an IGTV okay. talk show. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm telling you, there's an accuracy. This is why teachers don't let you cite Wikipedia. Yeah, because it's not all accurate. But you can check the references. That's why it's nice that it has the references at the bottom. Like it has, um, oh, it has your first episode link. So maybe it's the YouTube. Yeah, oh, it's, it's the, YouTube the YouTube link. link. So that's why. That makes sense. Yeah. So that's why they somebody found it on YouTube and added it to your Wikipedia page. But yeah. Good to know. Lovely. But yeah, so anyway, that's how I found out I had a Wikipedia page. Someone texted me about it and I was like, cool. And then we we helped make it more accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks pretty accurate now other than where your talk show is. (laughs) Thank you. You're welcome. But let me see. My brain is so tired today. (laughs) Yeah, we had a long day. Yeah. What would you say is like the coolest thing that came out of your lawsuit? Like all of those bad things you had to deal with happened of course but what was the like coolest thing or like best opportunity you feel like you've had out of it or like the biggest like influence you've been able to make on people from it you could do like a top three yeah I mean I've I've never gotten this question before um I think really (laughs) yeah I think there's there's two that really stick out for me um number one is um how many times I've gotten to speak not only like to other colleges I talk to colleges all the Mm -hmm. time but um, they bring me in to talk to middle schools and to high schools pretty often. That's so cute. And one of my favorite things, yeah, so there's actually um, a middle school in Mexico that when they have their bat mitzvah program, which is like for girls at 12 years old, they become women mm-hmm. according to Jewish law. So yeah. um, during their bat mitzvah program, they usually choose uh, women in history that inspire them. And usually it's people like, you know, um, like, biblical characters right like i'm inspired by sarah in the bible and that year they decided to pick me no was really really sweet Mm -hmm. so um and they said that it's the first time they actually pick someone who's alive and accessible like not like the prime minister of chile who's a woman yeah so they're like we'd actually Mm -hmm. really love it if you can speak to the girls so um i got to talk to them via zoom unfortunately but i got to talk to the mexican jewish middle school uh full of girls who chose me and they did research projects on me for part of this program so like they all knew about me already they'd read the article they'd seen the videos and uh, during the question and answer all of them just kept like raising their hand and instead of questions they just kept saying it's so cool to know that there's someone like us from our community, from our background, like us, yeah. that made it to where you are. And that was that was definitely like the coolest. Like till this day, I think it's it's what's made me most proud of my lawsuit. Yeah. Like, yeah, the legal changes and all of that. But you mm-hmm. know, watching a girl say like someone like us can make it, that's that's all I ever wanted yeah. when I was younger. So Yeah, you're that, inspiring that the little favorite. middle schoolers. That's adorable. Yeah. Inspiring oh the middle schoolers. And that. the second is actually the flip mm-hmm. side. Um my my Syrian okay. Jewish community doesn't have a lot of opportunities for women. Um, traditionally, yeah. women get married young, have kids, mm-hmm. and that's kind of it. But recently, especially after the recession, women have had to take up jobs. And that's like a, you know, culture shock for the women in my community. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of the, these are older women that went back to college or that started mm-hmm. their own businesses. And there's an organization called Propel, which is a women's organization mm-hmm. for Syrian Jewish women, encouraging them to 
um, enter the workspace, right? Yeah. And um, I was chosen as a Propel woman, and I've gotten to speak at their events. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it, it's it's very cool that, you know, at 25, I'm not only talking mm-hmm. to, you know, high school girls saying you should have careers yeah. and you should go to college, but I'm also talking mm-hmm. to all these you know, moms and older women yeah. saying you can still have careers and you can still go to college. So yeah. it, it really is the flip side on that. So those are those are definitely my top two uh, coolest things that have come from this. That's crazy. I love that for you. You get to inspire everyone. I told you guys Adela's going to change the world. <laughs> she already has started. She's changing the laws. She's inspiring the children. She's inspiring the people older than her. She's all over the place. Thank you. I work to inspire. I'm here all day. Yes, she works to inspire. Okay. I feel like, I don't know, do you have anything else about your lawsuit? Those were like my big points that I feel like really talk about it. Like what it was, what you went through, your favorite things that came from it. I think the one thing I would add is that filing a case against a school is not easy and it's not something to be taken lightly. It's not Mm -hmm. something I recommend either. Um, it -hmm. came after a lot of deliberation, a lot of weighing, a lot of the options. And for the most part, um, I've never been the activist type. I've always been the advocate type, which is exactly why Mm -hmm. I'm in law school. Um, it's better to reach a compromise outside of all this than to make the noise. Mm -hmm. So if you do find yourself in a situation where there is discrimination or you're on your campus and your administration is doing something wildly out of what they should be doing. Um, mm-hmm. The best thing that you could do is do what I did, which is follow all the channels that exist. If that's meeting mm-hmm. with your dean, meeting with your president, meeting with your vice president, meeting with every single department at the school. I met with eight administrators in five different departments across a span of three months, multiple times every single week, because mm-hmm. my goal was to change things on the ground for the students and to find yeah. a solution. Um, so that's that's my only advice. Again, it's it's not just like, let me file a case. No, it's, yeah. it's a lot and it's a lot of work. Um, mm-hmm. And it also puts you in the public eye. So, you know, again, only takeaway is there's a lot of power with the law. Use it wisely mm-hmm. and make sure that, you know, power to mitigate, right? Uh, duty yeah. to mitigate. You have to make sure that you're taking the steps before you actually reach the legal action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's such a good point because people might just think, oh, I'll just file a lawsuit. But like, Mm-hmm. It is a lot, like you said, like it could affect your career. So you have to weigh a lot of things, but then also mm-hmm. just it's it like takes a toll on you, especially like in something that's like controversial. Obviously, like this was an issue, like it was you against the school. It's always a big deal when someone sues like a big entity like that. So just like think about how it'll fa- it affects you before you just dive in. So try to do mm-hmm. it a different way first. But I agree. it comes down yeah. to it. You could sue the school like Adela did. <laughs> yes. yes <laughs> it can be can. done. She did win. <laughs> yeah. I think if that's all that you had to say on it, I feel like that's it for the main chunk of the episode. Okay. Any Lovely. last thoughts to add? Um, on this? No. No, I think that's pretty much good. Okay. Beautiful. Okay. Well, that was fantastic. Let's go on to our little two segments we do at the end. So the first one, for those of you that have not listened, is called the How to Be a Better Person segment. So in this one, we do like a fun tip of something you can do for people, for animals, the environment, a cause you can donate to that you care about. So whatever you're feeling this week, that's what you can um, tell us to do, Adela. So for me, it's it's not about a cause or anything. It's just about a general way of being. Um, mm-hmm. I've learned that it's very easy to cling to what you believe in and close yourself off. But mm-hmm. the biggest power comes from knowing the other. 
So um, there's a difference between advocating for yourself and advocating against someone else. And that line is the line between being helpful and hurtful um, because every issue does have two sides. So in my how to be a better person, just a tip I've picked up and something that I really try to live by is to understand the other side, never invalidate experiences, um, and to make sure that when you're pushing to further your own goals, you're not squashing someone else's in a way that's hurtful or demeaning. I love that. That was beautifully said. I feel like I'm definitely not going to have anything that good now. (laughs) You sound so inspirational. And then I'm going to be like, no, I was, I've done this one before. I was going to change, I was going to do a sustainable one. I was going to like change your light bulbs to LEDs, but I've done that. I will hit you guys with a new tip this week. It's going to be a sustainable one again. Um, I'm going to do buy plants instead of like cut flowers. It's better for the environment. Mm. And then you get to like grow the plant and you'll have it for as long as you can keep it alive. Whereas like if you buy cut flowers, it's like they die after like a week or two. And that's why they're not good for the planet because we're just cutting them and growing them. So um, that's my tip for this week. Nowhere near as inspirational as Adela's, but super easy. But you're go buy more a plant. practical. Mine is more practical. Is way more practical. Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's not more practical because yours is just like a way of like being and like thinking about things. Like it's pretty practical to just be like, yes, I should look at the other side. It's how we should all think already. Just people don't always think about it that way. So I think they're both perfectly practical. Okay. Perfectly practical. And now for the fun segment of the week, which is a tip of something fun to do in New York City. Adela has been in this area forever, like New Jersey, New York City. So she probably knows more spots to go and things to do than me. So we'll see if she has something new for us. Do you want to go first? No, because I'm actually still thinking. I'm running out of things because I give a tip in every episode. (laughs) So you can go first. Got it. Um, So there's a lot of tips, but one thing I think is really fun, and Miami already was doing this, and now it's becoming more mainstream in New York, are party dinners and party brunches. And um, this is a super fun thing to do in New York. There's a place called Ha Salon. Um, which is an Israeli restaurant that on Friday, uh, on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night, I think also Sundays, but I'm not sure. It's okay. crazy. Like get a table for like 8 p.m., 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. And around 10, the whole place turns into a party, people dancing on tables with mm-hmm. their napkins. It's literally, it's the most amazing energy. Second yeah. tip is Sunday daytime. There's a place called Felix. It is a French restaurant, um, but also around 3, 4 p.m., it turns into a crazy danger. Um, they have oh rosé flowing the entire day. It's really small, so you have to make sure to get a reservation, and it is relatively mm-hmm. pricey, but um, it's by far one of the best experiences I've had in New York in terms of fun. Um, yeah. yeah, so that's my my cool New York. It's, you know, coming yeah. from a local, that's, that's yes. what's up. I love that. I actually haven't heard of either of those. We have a promoter, my roommates and I, that we'll use sometimes that um, – does brunches at Harbor. I think it's a hotel. And that's like, they do like a brunch, but then it's like a big party. So um, if you're a girl, unfortunately, guys, the promoters usually just want girls. Um, you could maybe go to a free party brunch contact. His name is Tommy. Tommy, the promoter, I think is his Instagram. So if you're interested, <laughs> hit up Tommy, the promoter, if you want to go to free party brunch. <laughs> awesome. But um, big party my brunch, tip, man. Yes. My tip is going to be a restaurant I went to last weekend accidentally. We were trying to go to Taco Vision because my roommate Megan has been there. 
but their kitchen was closed because we were eating. Dinner I tried to go to Taco Vision and they closed their kitchen. Oh, they closed their kitchen at like what? They okay. said like it closes at ten, but they don't seat you after nine. Yeah. Okay. So the I think it was a Friday, so it might have been that the place closed at eleven. No, no way. It must have been um ten. Like they were closing at ten, but their kitchen closed at nine thirty or earlier. Mm-hmm. So we like walked up and we we're like for two, and she was like, "Okay, we're only serving drinks at the bar still," and we were like. Okay, never mind. So we went next door. We walked down a couple doors and we went to this Chinese place called, oh my God, was it Happy Cat? I want to say it's Happy Cat. Let me double check my text, but I'm pretty sure it's Happy Cat. And it was like, there was this giant cat statue in the back. It was so, so cute. And there was just like little pictures of cats everywhere. And we got some really good noodles. They have ramen there. They've got sushi. They've got all different food. Let me see. Um, Yes, it's called Happy Cat. Okay, Happy Cat. And it was up at like 53rd or something, 53rd and like Lex. Um, Yeah. So I actually have a funny story. When Taco Vision was closed, um, I had to find somewhere else to eat. No, we went to a diner on that corner. Oh, I think I passed it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So there's a diner on the corner called Mimi's. And we just found it because it was the only one that closed late. And we're like, whatever, let's just walk in. We walked in thinking it's just a normal diner. And they had a guy at the piano singing. The whole restaurant was just singing. Everyone was drunk. Oh, and like damn. this old lady, this yeah. old blonde lady just comes and goes, table for two. And we're like, yes. She sat us down. She was the sweetest person. She came to check in on us like every five seconds. We think she's yeah. Mimi, but we don't know. Um, I was with a boy at the time. And um, she kept offering us an upstairs bedroom. She's like, if you guys <gasps> want to take this upstairs. And we're like, no, but thank oh you. Oh my God, it is a it a brothel? Time. <laughs> not a brothel she was just being friendly I think I have no idea but the place was really really fun really intense diner so basically start your night by going to taco vision don't sit there and go no. somewhere else because that's yes. how you find good spots yes try to go to taco vision and even if it's not closed just go wherever else around there anyway <laughs> just know taco vision is not meant to be for the night that's so funny you think it was Mimi yeah. and she was trying to offer you a bedroom yep she was trying to offer us a bedroom. Um, you know, if, if he's listening to this, he'll he'll get a laugh. Oh my god, that's so so funny. Okay, well, I feel like that's a great note to end on. If you go to Mimi's, yeah. she might be your server and she might offer you a bedroom. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, Adela, do you want to tell people where they can find you, follow you, where they can find your show? Definitely. The best is to follow me on Instagram, Adela Kojab, um, A-D-E-L-A-C-O-J-A-B, like it's spelled in this episode description. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you can also find my show on Instagram TV. That's Americanish Show. You can find it also on Apple Podcasts, Americanish Show. And if you want to see Atypical Tourists on Snapchat, just search Atypical Tourists, subscribe, mm-hmm. I get money. Erin gets coffee. Everyone's happy. <laughs> yes, please subscribe to Adela's Atypical Tourist Show on Snapchat. I'll tag it. <laughs> when we post your episode, I'll like post a screenshot of your Snapchat and be like, here's the show if you want to follow. Like and subscribe. <laughs> like, and, like and subscribe. But yeah, and then you know you can find us, the Legally Couture Podcast, on Instagram and TikTok, but I have not made enough TikToks or Reels, and Adela keeps yelling at me to do it. Mm-hmm. So I will. But um, yeah, so you can follow us there. You can follow me, my personal, Erin.Lindsay13, Instagram, TikTok. And then wherever you're listening, you know, you're listening to us. So that's where we are. 
But if you're on Spotify, we're also on Apple Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we're also on Spotify. I think we're on Google Podcasts as well. I don't know, wherever you listen to podcasts, listen to it there. If you don't prefer the platform you're on right now, switch it up. Leave us reviews, rate us, whatever. DM us. Tell us what you think of the episode so we can make more episodes that you like. Okay. Awesome. That's it for today, everyone. Okay. Bye, Thank everyone. You.